If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's guest is Sandy Simons. Now, those who didn't go to Equitana may not know, but Sandy was the horsemanship ambassador for Equitana this year, and she was also inducted into the Hall of Fame for 20 years of service. So really important role that Sandy played in Equitana this year, and we're lucky to have her on the line today. And she's going to talk about how to choose the right horse. Now, how are you today, Sandy? I'm wonderful, thanks, Glennis. Good, good. So to get us started then, Sandy, what's the most important thing that we should look for? So when we're first thinking about, you know, going on and moving on and buying a new horse, Mm -hmm. we need to write a list and the list must start with priorities. Yep. Now, it's we have to figure out what is negotiable and what is not negotiable in our search. So if we put, let's say I'm on a 17-hand horse, Mm -hmm. we put that on top of our list. And we get there and the horse just is not suitable, but we found one for 15 hands that is suitable. Okay. Then that is negotiable. What is not negotiable and needs to be on top of our list is disposition. Okay. When I say disposition, what I mean is nature, the nature of the horse. Mm-hmm. And we need to find a horse with the nature that is appropriate for our personality. So if we are an introvert by nature yep. and we're quite shy it would be appropriate to ha- for us to have a horse that is very calm, gentle, a bit of a gentleman mm-hmm. that won't ask us to get outside of our comfort zone by being loud in our training. If we are a professional rider and we're full of skill and we have goals set, then sometimes a horse that has a bit of a louder personality we can deal with. Okay. So by figuring out what disposition suits us as a person really is a priority. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The other side to that too is that if we were a nervous rider, we don't want a horse with a disposition that is highly sensitive. So we don't want a horse that would spook at the drop of a hat or a horse that gets anxious and nervous because that would affect our fear. Yep. So we want a, a horse with a disposition that's quite calm, maybe a little bit dull, okay. um, that doesn't go on alert too much. So asking ourselves the question of what is it that I need in the horse to marry up to who I am as a person, Mm -hmm. I think that really needs to go on top of our list. Okay, and and making sure that's what we need rather than what we want. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, the one thing that gets us confused between need and want is emotion. And we know buying a horse is a very emotional journey. Yes, And sometimes we can cloud our judgment because we see their beauty. Mm -hmm. And we tell ourselves a story when we see a horse and we underestimate some of the behaviours the horse has. And it's not until we get home. You know, I know a lot of people, when they talk to me, they say, well, after I had it a month, the horse was completely different. Yeah. And it's not what I thought I bought. And that's because we cloud our judgment with our emotions. Mm-hmm. So it's very important to encourage everyone when they look at a horse to take someone with them that can really 
um, sit on the set for them and not be emotional and keep them logical and yep. see things for what they are. Okay. Because we can get captivated by oh, definitely. Um, our emotion <laughs> and beauty of the horse. Yes. And the other one that I see comes up a lot mm-hmm. is when people ring up about a horse and say, well, is it quiet? Yep. And, of course, the seller is saying, yeah, of course it's quiet. But mm-hmm. do you know the scale of quiet <laughs> is, is endless? Mm-hmm. You know what I consider quiet? Other people would consider dull. Mm-hmm. What I consider lively, other people might consider dull. So the variation of quiet um, really needs to be disregarded until you see the horse and genuinely see if the horse is or if it isn't without emotion attached to it. Okay. Okay. All right. And then at, at what height? Because we talked a little bit about height. Is there a particular height we should avoid? Can you tell us a bit more about height? So what I believe about height mm-hmm. is that it needs to be a bit further down your list. Okay. And you can forgive a horse being a tiny bit too small or a tiny bit too large mm-hmm. for you if the um, personality and the disposition of the horse is is paramount. If I went and looked at a horse and I wanted a 17-hand horse, and he just wasn't right, but I yep. found one okay. for maybe 16 hands that was right, I yep. would forgive that height. Mm-hmm. And, of course, to determine what height you would like, that's really based off your height and your weight. Mm-hmm. We've got to find horses that are appropriate so that we're a good match so they can carry us easy. And a lot of it I find with height with women that buy horses, it's about rideability. Okay. Is it a um, nice back to sit on? Does a horse travel well? Does a horse have suspension if we were looking for a professional horse? Or does the horse have a nice smooth gait if we're trail riding? Mm-hmm. So to be interested in that as opposed to the height can be very beneficial. Okay. Okay. Now, soundness, how important is that? Or can we say about that? Well, of course, you know, we all want sound horses. Yeah, that's obvious when we buy horses. But, uh, you know, my own Grand Prix horse, when I had him, I bought him unsound. Okay. And he had issues that I knew I could deal with. And, of course, it was feet issues, but I knew I could deal with it. And I Mm -hmm. had him for, you know, 15 years and it never got in my way. And he's still alive today in his 30s. Mm. So I think, um, and that's the problem when purchasing a horse. Everyone believes a vet check is wonderful, but unless you're scoping and x-raying, there's not a lot of information the vets can give you, mm-hmm. apart from appearances of soundness and flexion tests, that sort of thing. But, um, you know, unless you do an entire vet check on a horse when you purchase it, including x-rays and scoping, you really don't get the full picture. Yep. And, if you know, if you're a social rider, a mum that wants to ride, sometimes taking a horse on with an ailment is okay. Mm-hmm. If you're a professional rider and you want a competitive horse, well, then that's that's not negotiable because you won't mm-hmm. get to where you want to go. Sure. So, again, that's a personal choice. And gathering the right information about any ailment will empower you as to whether you want to walk that journey or not. Okay. What about experience? You know, what sort of experience? Do we need a horse with experience in the sport that we're going to take them in? Or can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, Sure. You know, we see a lot of horses with varied experiences come through here and mm-hmm. we see a lot of people buy horses with varied experience. And again, it's about 
what is your personal need? If you're new into, let's say, dressage, mm-hmm. and, and it's just brand new to you and you're really interested in the sport, then buying a horse that has experience in that can help you learn. Okay. As opposed to buying a horse that doesn't, then you're both in the position of trying to learn. And, of course, when we talk about our children going to buy a horse for our children, the more experience that we can get in the horse and have it safe and reliable, the safer our children are, and, and it helps that learning journey along rather than trying to teach the horse to do it and teach yourself to do it. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, if you're on the flip side of that and you're a competitive rider or an experienced trainer, young horses are wonderful because we can impart our wisdom to them and our education to them and bring them up and turn them into a lovely senior horse. So it's really about where do you fit Mm -hmm. in that and what is it that you believe would be suitable for you and what skill set can you bring to the horse? If your skill set is limited then to have a horse with a higher skill set could help. And if you are, if you have a huge skill set, by getting a young horse and imparting your um, education onto it yes. also can be a great asset as well. So, mm-hmm. again, it's about personal need, but being very clear on who you are as a horse person will help you decide whether you need an experienced horse or a young horse. All right. Now, what about when people do get that? super educated horse you know the horse is it going to stay at that level should you expect the super educated horse to just go out and win and compete at the level it's been or is there some sort of an adjustment there and you know people worry about wrecking the horse what can we say about wrecking you know say if a horse is at a high level and then they adjust and the horse isn't going as well at a lower grade you know, is it a problem of wrecking the horse or adjusting skill sets or what can you say about that? As far as, you know, people, and I hear that all the time, unfortunately, but we get ourselves convinced that we can wreck a horse and that puts us into a state, well, I just uh, don't want to ask because I'm frightened of doing the wrong thing. Mm. To teach the horse to do something wrong takes as much time as it does to teach it to do something right. Uh-huh. So we're, you know, we're not in a position to be able to wreck a horse. That's, that's just not the truth. We have mm-hmm. to be as committed to teach it to do good as it does bad. Mm. Okay. If you've got a, a, a good experienced horse and it has a lovely disposition, it will wait while you learn. But if you get an experienced horse that has learned a lot of evasions, it can bring you undone and make you feel like you're not capable. So again, it comes back to that disposition. The older the horse gets, you would believe that it's more sensible and wiser, but that's not always the case. You know, we've seen a lot of advanced horses that have got ring smart, mm-hmm. um, that have got, um, they, they find a hole in what you're doing and they'll take advantage of it. Yep. And yep. we've also, you know, I've got a school horse here that I use for nervous women and he would never take advantage of anybody mm-hmm. because he knows his job well. Yes. That's not always the case. And I don't believe that there are schoolmasters. I think that's been a label that's been misinterpreted over the years. It's about buying the horse that is compatible and will help you learn without over-challenging you. Mm -hmm. No horse will give you anything for free. If we don't ask, we don't receive. So that's our responsibility is to learn so that we can ask the horse, the experienced horse, to deliver our request. So it comes back to us to improve our skill 
and make sure that we're well matched. I see a lot of people that are just overmounted. Mm-hmm. The horses that they have are too strong, uh, too smart, and they can um, disempower the rider. And I've also seen the opposite, where the riders don't believe they're that good, but they're bringing out the very best in the horse. Mm-hmm. So again, it's about being realistic with your skill set, being prepared to go on the journey of learning together and finding a way to communicate so that you're nice and clear to the horse. Mm. Okay, good. Now, you talked, and I know temperament is far more important than age, than height and everything else, but we've got another category, just calmness. Can you talk about the calmness, the sort of horse that is calm when the other horses are all running around with their heads up and their tails up in the air? And and again, you know, those sorts of horses are born that way. Mm -hmm. And yes, a horse can find peace in his training and find patience in his training, and that's all taught. But a lot of the time we see, especially we breed um, young quarter horses, and we know from birth, you know, usually inside of their first month, whether they're a horse that is carefree yep. or whether they're a horse of high spirit. Mm-hmm. Now, both horses turn out to be the same if they're trained properly. You can get the, the more sensitive horse to relax mm-hmm. and you can get the, the duller, calmer horse to be more interested. But it's about acknowledging who they are from the beginning and then we usually see the end result is the same. Okay. I've got um, my own mare who's now 21 and my gelding who's 23 I've got two opposites, one that was dull and disinterested and the other one that was hypersensitive. Mm-hmm. And over the last 20 years, I've got them both to the same point, to where they're both relaxed, calm and attentive. And I trained them appropriate. The sensitive one, I got her more confident. Mm-hmm. And the duller one, I got him more interested. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it's about the training, but you can see that in young horses, who they are by nature. Are they an athlete? Or are they the Homer Simpsons of the world that okay. like to sit around and watch the world go by? <laughs> so a lot of that can be can be acknowledged very early on. Okay. Now, you're going to have a look at a horse. Some people may not even see behavioural problems. What sort of behavioural problems should they stay away from and, and what's going to happen if they don't? Well, there's lots of behavioural problems. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all are the ones that should be disclosed, which yep. is uh, wind-sucking, weaving, those sorts of issues, they mm-hmm. should be disclosed um, prior to going to see the horse. A lot of people don't, unfortunately, but they should be. Mm-hmm. And then once you get there, when you look for behaviours, you look for biting and kicking, a little bit of sassiness where they're not prepared to be accepting of what you're asking. You know, hard to pick their feet up because they want to fight you, hard to yep. put the bridle on, mm-hmm. those sorts of things. And I encourage everybody that goes to look at a horse is to take someone else and capture footage. You know, everyone's got their phones on them nowadays. Film everything that's going on and then go home and re-look at that because we we get an overload of data when we're looking at a horse and sometimes we can oversee something or things can be hidden. Mm -hmm. But when you go home, if you've captured a bit of footage and any any honest um, seller will encourage you to do that. Yep. Yep. Take it home and then when you're not under that pressure and take your time, you can re-look at it and think, you know what, I didn't see that then but I see it now. Yes, yes. And that will help your decision. You've got to take the pressure away mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and re-look at it and take your time. Any genuine seller will encourage you to go slow and to come back and look multiple times. 
If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. What about the people, you know, you, you talked about before that they get a horse and a month later the horse has got problems. If they've already bought the horse, you know, and they've had it for a month, what should they be doing? Should they be trying to sort it out themselves, sending it to a professional, selling the horse? Um, you know, that's a really tricky one. You know, and, and I hear it all the time. Well, mm. I bought it and I've got it home and it's not the yep. horse I've bought. Yep. Once we take that horse home, the horse becomes reliant on our data and mm-hmm. that means what we're doing. Now, the horse might need a, a, a strict trainer. Yep. And, you know, it's taught, it's been taught to, you know, behave itself via cues that we're teaching. And if we buy the horse like that and we're not that sort of person, before too long they'll start, you know, carrying on when we tie them up. They'll start running around with their heads in the air when we ride them. And they'll start doing stuff that we didn't see when we purchased because we we are different mm. and we ask different stuff. So the horse that by nature can be evasive or it's quite loud in personality will take advantage of that. If we've got the calm horse, then the calm horse will just hang around and wait until we ask. And there's two different sides to that. So if we buy the athlete horse and we're not giving it the right job or we're not asking enough of it, it'll create bad behaviours because it'll be looking for something to do. But the dull horse we buy, the calm horse that we buy, and we don't ask it to do something, it won't offer anything and it'll become hard to get going mm-hmm. or quite resistant. So there's okay. two sides to that. Yep. So it's again, it's about making sure that you're well-matched and getting enough data off the seller to know what you need to do with the horse to keep its obedience in check. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the responsibility between owner and buyer. I don't encourage anyone after they've had a horse a month to run off to a professional trainer. I would hope that they could go back to the seller and get some assistance because no one knows the horse as well as the seller. Yes. And to keep that relationship open for the first few months is really important, but not a lot of people do that. Yes, I think if the seller's had a horse for quite a long time, they're looking for that. They, they'd like, exactly. they'd prefer that. Yep. Exactly. Yep. And. Uh, we not long ago sold a horse to a professional reigning horse to a 10-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. And we have asked them to keep in communication with us if anything goes wrong, to talk to us. Yes. Because we know the horse. We've had him all of his life. Mm. And if behaviours arrived that that wasn't great for a 10-year-old, we would know why and we yes. would be able to help them. And it would be unusual. So there would be a reason behind it. We could help them discover that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So to have that line of communication with the buyer, it's imperative, but that doesn't often happen. Mm, mm. It doesn't often happen. A lot of buyers like to see when the horse is gone that they disconnect completely. So, um, you know, to encourage that would be a good thing. Yeah. Now, is there a particular type of breed we should be looking at? Again, that comes back to your need. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I tell mums that are buying horses, you know, look for a crossbred horse. Um, you know, a Percheron cross, a quarter horse cross, a warm blood cross. Look for a crossbred horse. Um, what that does is removes um, any form of high energy sport that the horse might have done. I, you know, like a ex race horse or an ex polo sure. cross horse, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And um, it sort of removes that worry. But again, if you're 
looking for an avenging horse or a jumping horse or an athlete, the X-ray sources are wonderful for that. So it's about figuring out what your need is before you go and look. Okay. And then is it like once you get to the horse that you find the right breed, it still goes down to the individual temperament? Because you said right at the beginning that temperament's the most important. Oh, exactly. Mm. Exactly. Mm. You know, I went out looking for a warm blood as my new dressage horse about 15 years ago and I came home with a black and white stallion. <laughs> Quarter horse. Okay. So, you know, yep. Yep. disposition one out. <laughs> okay. 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 All right. Now, what about, you've got something here about time, you know, about, how long? I mean, how many horses should we look at? Do we just go out and if the first horse is beautiful, we buy it? Or should we look at a certain amount? What can you say about that? Well, usually the mistake is made in buying the first horse. Mm-hmm. And I encourage everybody, go and look at multiple horses, go and ride multiple horses. And what that will do is narrow down your list. And you can come back and say to yourself, you know, I didn't really like that or I really did like that. Yep. And that will help guide you into getting a very specific list on what you're looking for. The worst thing that we can do is go and see the first horse and say, that's it, it's done. Mm -hmm. Because we could be accepting of stuff in a horse that if we had have noticed it, we wouldn't be. So by riding multiple horses and seeing multiple horses, it helps narrow down our list as to what we do really need. Yep, yep, yep. And it stops the impulse as well. Oh, well, I was going to say, should we, just to save time, take the float? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely okay. not. Okay. No. Yep. No, go there with the idea that you aren't buying the horse, already have yourself resigned to that, mm. and let the horse, let the horse sell himself okay. to you. I think that's a really good one, just letting the horse sell himself. Yep. 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 If you walk away from that and you have no negatives, about uh-huh. that horse and go back three, four times. Yes, yes. If that's what you feel. Now, to go back three or four times, you always ring up, make an appointment. Oh, absolutely. Again, any reputable seller, mm-hmm. um, and someone that really does genuinely care about the horse, they'll put home first Yep. on their list and they'll be really prepared to make sure that the horse goes to the right person and they'll, they'll encourage that. Okay, good. So if they believe you're the right person, they'll open their doors for you to come back as many times as they can Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to ensure it is the right partnership. Good. All right, then. Anything else that we need to know about buying a horse, Sandy, before we finish off? Um, I encourage anybody now that does buy a horse is to get a buyer's contract Mm -hmm. and sign a contract um, stating everything that you see right there and then and... Make sure that there's a lot of clarity in what you are buying and make it legal. Mm -hmm. And if at any stage you do have a slight doubt, ask your vet to take blood. Okay, okay. What what can happen with that is that if anything does go wrong, and, you know, I hate to say that there are drugged horses in the horse industry, but there is. Mm -hmm. And to protect ourselves in that manner, it, it empowers us. Yes, now, what you can do if you do get your vet to take blood, he can just freeze it. Mm-hmm. And if it needs to be, it can be tested down the track and if everything goes fine, it's thrown out. Okay. If some, things go, do go wrong, and usually it's it's usually a devastating thing when it does, Yes. at least legally you've got that in your back pocket mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you can take action and hold people accountable. And, okay. you know, I hate saying that in the horse industry, but it's in everywhere in the animal industry. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But we do need to protect ourselves more nowadays than we ever have before. Okay. Okay. I think that's a good tip to finish off with as well. Yeah. 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 Yep. And Sandy, um, what about if people would like to get you to look at their horse or people would like to contact you? What's the best way to contact you? Oh, that's easy. We're on Facebook with mm-hmm. David and Sandy Simons. We've got a website. We're very easy okay. to find so nowadays. Probably just Google our Google. names. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's way too easy. And <laughs> we do do appraisals all the time and we have horses bought here for pre-purchase checks. I encourage everyone that if that is the way that you're going to go, definitely get a professional to overview it for you. It's very cost-effective and okay. can save you a lot of heartache. All right. Now, do you do online checks? Like if someone, and I know it's not going to be as effective, but if someone went out and had a video and said, what do you think of this? Do you do those sorts of appraisals by video? Absolutely. We do okay. them all the time. Um, the other thing we do as well is that we'll Skype. So if, if you went to buy a horse, oh, you call okay. me, put me yes. on Skype yes. and I watch or FaceTime. Mm-hmm. I actually watch the inspection and I watch the horse at the same time. So you can take a professional eye to purchasing a horse, even though they're not there. So um, I, I do a lot of that. And okay. that's a really good way to get a Non-biased opinion. And that Skype, the real time would be good. You know, if you saw something that you weren't sure at, you could yes. say, just do that again yes. or turn yep. turn the horse or, yep. yeah, yep, yep, Or perfect. ask this question or, yes. you know, it, it empowers you to help you be logical, mm-hmm. unemotional yep. and have a very non-biased opinion of someone that has no emotional interest in any of it. Perfect. All right, Sandy, thanks again, and congratulations on your horsemanship ambassador and uh, getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. That's okay? Thank you so much, Glynis. That's okay. Well-deserved, I think, so congratulations. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much. That's lovely. All right, Sandy, we'll talk to you again another time soon, I'm sure. Absolutely. Thanks, Glynis. Bye. Bye. Now, if you're still there, you probably know that I'm absolutely passionate about education within the horse industry. That's why I host this podcast. My other venture is Online Horse College. Have a look now at onlinehorsecollege.com and I'll see you over there. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.